What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of arrowheadpride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon, who had the day off of coverage yesterday. I actually got to go to a, a game. What did you take away from your first Chiefs game in person in a while, John? You know, uh, it's funny. When you don't do it for a while, you forget how loud it is in there. <laughs> and it yeah. was it was loud. And I have only rarely uh, been seated in the lower level as I was uh, on Sunday. So that's an that's a different perspective altogether on how loud it is. And um, it was I, I was pretty impressed <laughs> with how loud the stadium was getting. Did you go did you go classic cuisine, just a hot dog or did you try one of the the number of unique offerings that actually have. i i didn't have any food in the stadium because no food. i had gone to a tailgate that had excellent food excellent. an old an old friend of mine who tailgates at every game and you know has a, a a vehicle outfitted for it and so on we went to hang out with him and that was fantastic food and i was stuffed when we got up to head to the stadium so i never got a chance to go buy any food uh so well, that's actually a, a good thing because uh, you save on the wallet and you're satisfied anyway. So that's, that's oh well, a good we didn't save anything on the wallet. Uh, I bought this hat yesterday because <laughs> I was, I was on the dollar hat. Yeah, yeah, I was on the visitor's side, and so the sun was really beating down on us when we first got there. So we wow. both bought hats to wear. Arrowhead and, got uh, you somehow, then I guess. And we ended up buying a jersey for the new dog too. So you know, who do we it choose was a, there? Uh, it's a Mahomes jersey for the for the little uh multipoo so uh okay so she has a, a new jersey on today and we dropped I, over a hundred dollars yeah if i would <laughs> if i would have guessed i would have thought the bigger dog would have gotten a gay jersey since its name is willie well uh yeah uh he already has a uh scarf okay it's a, like a jersey scarf yeah. yeah, but it's a zero zero number. We've already investigated this today. We'd forgotten what kind of scarf he had, so we had to go okay. find it. Well, that's a good day at Arrowhead, and it was a good day for the Kansas City Chiefs. A thirty-one to seventeen victory against a good Chargers team. I know that they came into this game two and three, but I just think that they're a better team than their their record shows. Uh, I believe this is going to be a classic Chargers. A year that we've seen in recent seasons, John, where they will fight their way back to 500, maybe be slightly above and see what they can do in the wild card round, which which makes what the Chiefs were able to do, I think, rather impressive here. You have the 31 points, 483 total net yards. Patrick Mahomes had over 300 yards in the first half. He ends up getting over 400 yards for the game. Travis Kelsey explodes for 
179 yards. And John, I know you were at the game, but uh, everybody believes that Taylor Swift now has something to do with this. He's playing a lot better when Taylor's in the building. <laughs> she was she was there again yesterday, high fiving Brittany Mahomes. Uh, let's get into this game. Uh, before we do, I just want to remind you: if you leave us a rating and a review on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network on Apple iTunes, we'll read it on the show. No reviews this week, so we can get right into it. And before we get into the details of this game, I want to highlight one part, and it's an unfortunate part. Nick Bolton leaves with a dislocated wrist. John, you just covered for uh, you just covered this for us at ArrowheadPride.com. Tom Pelissero coming through with the notice that Bolton is going to need surgery for this injury and it will cost him two months of the NFL season. I did a a quick search of what games that would include. And so he'll be out for next game. That's at Denver against Miami in in Germany against the Eagles on Monday night football at Arrowhead at Vegas, at Green Bay, hosting Buffalo, and against the New England Patriots. So a really unfortunate time because that is the meat of what what has become the schedule. We thought the the first part of the schedule might be harder than the middle, but really the middle, I think, is where you're going to make your money for the Kansas City Chiefs. So Drew Tranquil got the experience for the three games in which Nick Bolton had a high ankle sprain, and he will be your starting Mike linebacker for the foreseeable future. John, we anticipate Bolton going on injured reserve here. Right. Yeah. I, I can't imagine they would do anything else. If he's really going to be off for something around eight weeks, it would just make no sense at all to have him on the inactives uh, for that long a time. So yeah, we'll, we should expect him to be on uh, the reserve injured list. Well, right away, possibly today. Um, and, and then yeah. after that, uh, we'll, I think we'll have a practice squad activation and I think we'll see more Jack Cochran than we've been seeing on defense. Uh, he's basically been a special teams player. I think we'll right. see him more uh, as a defensive player. Short-term wise for the Chiefs, this is a a pseudo disaster. It would be worse if you didn't have Drew Tranquil in the building. That, that just makes a Drew Tranquil signing, I think, even more important. Long-term, it's interesting when you really think about it because uh, Bolton is a high-caliber player, number two in the league in tackles. He's in the third year of his contract. He's going to be entering his fourth year. There could have been a case maybe this offseason to pay him. Now you wonder if they'll want to do that, although they'll even want the contract because you know, the end numbers are going to be less than you would have made if he had a full season doing what he did, just the way that NFL contracts are set up. So maybe Bolton ends up playing that fourth year of his contract without a new one, uh, and you get a little bit of a break for 2024, whereas – I think if he plays the full season and let's say he leads the league in tackles or is number two again, they, that might have had to be a decision that the Chiefs made this offseason. So obviously never want to see a, an injury. But in the long term of it, I, it may actually end up helping the Chiefs when it comes to the, to their cap in a weird way. Right, John? Well, sure. Uh, one way or the other, they uh, will end up having to pay less for a linebacker and less. Uh, they choose to let Bolton go and uh, pay Drew Tranquil a lot of money, which would be one of the options they would have. But I think, you know, the example that we can go from here is McCole Hardman. Now, obviously, Hardman was in the fourth year of his contract instead of the Mm -hmm. third, so that's a little different. But you can see how much the fact that he missed half of his final season in Kansas city on his rookie contract affected what happened with him and free agency. 
you know, if he'd put in a full season, um, you know, when he got to seven or 800 yards, <laughs> Uh, right. given the circumstances that exist with the Chiefs wide receiver group, um, they might have given him a contract, uh, you know, because the one he got from New York uh, wasn't really that expensive. I mean, they turned it into, into a deal that wasn't very painful to them, and the Chiefs could have done the same thing. Uh, and, you know, this the whole wide receiver narrative at the beginning of the season might have looked much different if he hadn't been injured, but he was. And um, that's the way it goes sometimes. McCullough ended up saying once he got back to Kansas City that five or six teams were interested in him. Ends up taking, I believe it was a $5.5 million deal with the Jets. And so even that was way less if he had been healthy. So I just I wonder right. what that means for the Chiefs linebacker room. You look at Bolton, Bolton was 23, Drew Tranquil was 28. Maybe you get both of these guys back in the building for next year where you're able because I, I, I'd imagine Bolton now he's going to end up missing what John 10 games of this season. I imagine right. he's going to want a do over of your contract year uh, and he, he can he can do that with the Chiefs. And if they end up getting this longer term deal, but short term in, in the sense of a 28, 29 year old player that wants to be here, the Chiefs don't like to necessarily do that. So I think it's going to have to be team friendly. I think you're looking at maybe having Bolton and tranquil back for next season again tranquil's on a one-year deal but has made it uh explicitly clear already that he wants to stay in kansas city so we'll see how that goes and and with that let's open up uh the andy reed press conference if you want to listen to the full press conference we have it available right now on from the podium uh at uh at arrowheadpride.com and and of course our arrowhead pride podcast network on wherever you get your podcast but Andy Reid was asked about the impact of both Drew Tranquil and Mike Edwards. Here was Coach Reid from his Monday afternoon presser. Well, we were excited to get both of them and because we knew what kind of players they were. Uh, Red does a great job with all that. I'm saying we. I mean, it's he's the one doing this, not me. So he uh, does a phenomenal job with that. And and but having played against them, I knew they were, those are good, those are good football players and adding them into the mix is, is, is a beautiful thing. So anyways, that that's uh, wherever it goes from here. I can't tell you that. I don't know that, but I, I would tell you that we're, we're glad we have them. And now they have, are really going to need that, that depth. And you're seeing Mike Edwards get more and more time and he's making his presence known. Uh, I've said it on the podcast before, and I, I think it's worth saying again, uh, that that he just seems to have this nose for the ball. And some some players have that. And I think he brings that to the table, something that the Chiefs really haven't had in a long time. Uh, you also end up getting Charles Menehue back in, in this game. But just the impact, John, of Tranquil and Edwards to this point brought in as role players. And I think are, you wouldn't say that they're playing necessarily to like a starter level, but for the role that they've been brought in to do, tranquil in being depth for that room and and being able to come in and have spot starts and have that key sack late in the game against his former team and then edwards and what he's doing for that safety room just really impressive signings by the chiefs and at the time we didn't really i don't think thought we didn't think all that much of them and they've been they've they've proven to be pretty impactful here well that's certainly true about edwards i think we had some kind of a sense that tranquil was going to be a, a, a more of an impact player than you would typically see for somebody who has just been released from his rookie contract by a, a division rival. I mean, right. it was just so unusual to even see something like that, uh, that you could get uh, such a good deal on a, a guy that had previously been in your division playing against you. Um, 
just on the the basis of value, I think we thought Tranquil was going to be good, but he's actually been surprisingly good, uh, even for the, you know, even disregarding how much he's being paid uh, to be a backup player. And yeah, both of those signings were excellent. I thought, um, I thought Edwards might be used in a somewhat different way, more as a, um, as a, a guy that they would put anywhere, but he's mostly just been a, a backup guy as nearly as I can tell, but I'm not one of the, I'm not usually the guy to ask about that. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that, that, you know, you're starting to see more of him, and I wonder if that you, you continue to see that trend um, as we go, go along um, last game, you know, for reference here on the snap counts, uh, he ended up playing 21 snaps uh, that was increased by, 10 snaps in this game from 40% to 49%. Uh, his most snaps that he played was against the Minnesota Vikings, 54% um, against the Vikings a couple weeks ago. It's been teetering around 50%. I wonder if you start to see that increase even to maybe higher, just because it, it seems like whenever he's in the game, he is uh, uh, making plays. All right, let's continue with Andy Reid. And we know about a game for Charles Amena, who uh, comes in. Two quarterback hits, one sack. He has a deflection that, that gets the ball into the hands of LeJerry's Sneed. Uh, Andy Reid was asked today, what were some of the final conversations that he had with the men who before he ended up having this six-week uh, suspension? Yeah, just that he had a place to work out. He was going to stay on top of it. He had really worked hard, hard during training camp. So, I mean, he put in uh, a lot of extra time there at training camp and got himself in good shape and kind of understood what we were about here and um, play. He wanted to play in the preseason games. He wanted to get enough reps there. So uh, he could have a little bit of that muscle memory coming back. And, um, and then he, he busted his tail. I mean, you gotta, you gotta hand it to the kid when he was away, he worked hard and was able to come back in good shape. Now I'm not telling you that he's not going to be sore today. I mean, he, he's going to, he'll be, He'll be sore, and um, but he's a he's a tough kid. He'll he'll work through it. Man, you look at all three of these signings in the offseason. We just talked about um, Drew Tranquil, and we talked about Mike Edwards, and now just discussing Charles Amenahu, and and you kind of got a glimpse of what the offense, um, I, I should say, what the defense might look like moving forward with Amenahu as part of that mix. I, I thought it was. Very clear that on passing downs, what Steve Spagnuolo, Joe Cullen, the defensive line coach, have designed here is this defensive end melee where you put <laughs> Karloftis, you put Chris Jones, you put um, Amenahu, and you have Mike Dana there. And you know, at that point, you're not even necessarily needing to blitz. And with the coverage playing so well, just it, it's it's going to be tough to to beat the Chiefs on, on offense. We saw the Chargers have some, some success in the second quarter, but then they were blanked the entire second half, which was really impressive. You go back to that offseason, these are three guys that weren't on the Chiefs that now they are. And, you know, John, what have the cries been? What are the Chiefs doing at receiver? Why didn't they? So yeah. <laughs> you look at the free agent receivers. I just pulled them up. I know that we all know about Odell Beckham Jr. And we all know uh, about um, uh, we all know about DeAndre Hopkins. And we've talked about that, about just how they got outpriced just based upon what the right. Ravens did mm-hmm. with Odell. But you look at the rest of the guys uh, around the league. OK, say they had landed on Jacoby Myers with with what he has been doing. Maybe that one makes sense. But I just look at some of the other names that were out there. Juju. Thank goodness that the Chiefs didn't bring him back. 
DJ Shark, Darius Slayton, Alan Lazard, Robert Woods. Instead, they chose to invest in these defensive players. Uh, and to me, it's a big reason why they've been able to compile the best record in the AFC through seven weeks. Um, you, you, you still even have that receiver conversation, even as the Chiefs are in the you know the top five of offense in the NFL now. Uh, and I just think, and I've made this point before, but I'll bring it up again. Easy at the time to get mad at little moves because you don't see the blueprint. And when you start to see the blueprint, I think it makes more and more sense of what the Chiefs are envisioning for what they're building through the middle of the season to the end of the season and into the playoffs. And I think these three free agency signings highlighted by a Menahue or were just a big part of what they had in mind. Yeah, it's funny. We, it, we've we just become so spoiled by the Kansas City offense. We can't really get a a good handle on what a good team looks like anymore because we've become so spoiled, but you know, there's a couple of things about this that we need to remember is that offensive scoring is down pretty uh, significantly this year compared to other years. You're saying generally Um, in the NFL, generally in the NFL, right? Yeah. And the chiefs are, you know, still up at the top of that group. So part of what we see is a problem with the chiefs is actually a problem with the whole league and the chiefs are still, uh, you know, the big fish in the little pond and the somewhat smaller pond. Um, it, not the biggest uh, as they were last year, but certainly uh, not a disappointing uh, spot to be in, in offense. And of course the defense has been fantastic. I, I think, I, I think there's a stat out there that the points differential for the Chiefs, that is the difference between the points they've scored and the points they've allowed, is the biggest since Mahomes has been the starter. And that's a pretty significant piece of information there. Um, so we're kind of spoiled by this deal. And I, I, I and I feel it, you know, I'm not going to say I'm immune to it. I've, I've been, you know, riding that train myself. It's like, what are we going to do about the wide receivers? Damn it. You know, and then. And then they keep winning games. And, and you know, yesterday I thought was a game, you know, the Chargers are always going to play you tough. If you can beat the Chargers by 14 points in any year, that's a good thing. Yeah, I I think you're starting to see that the Chiefs are going to be distributing the football beyond Travis Kelsey in different places for different games. And yesterday was a perfect example with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Three catches for 84 yards and a touchdown. Andy Reid asked about MBS's big game. Yeah, I thought we had good stuff in for them that popped, you know. So we, we normally have a handful of plays in there that have his name on them, but sometimes the coverage is different. You know, there's a few things that go into that. But he, you know, he, he had opportunities today where, where he ran good routes or Pat was scrambling and found him. Pat, Pat, I know, has a lot of trust in him. So, you know, but that today they or yesterday they popped. So now I don't. I don't know, you know, as I'm saying, the Chiefs don't need a receiver. I don't know if we should get used to this from MVS Uh, for every game. I think sometimes he has games where uh, the Chiefs are afforded the ability to throw the ball downfield. He said it last night himself. He averages 20 yards a catch in his career. So unless that's kind of open for him, he's not going to do his damage. But it was open for the Chiefs yesterday. And the truth of the matter is, too, John, on that horrible interception that Mahomes threw is really is one of his only mistakes of the day. 
Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling probably would have been open for, what, another 30, 40-yard touchdowns. So you could have been looking at four catches for 120 and two touchdowns even. But you like what he was able to do, and for the amount of money that the Chiefs have committed to him, you'd like to see more of these games um, a little bit more uh, regularly. And so this is a good start. We'll see where we go from here with MVS. Right. And I, you're going to, now you've stepped on one of the things I wanted to bring up in the takeaways, but That's okay. uh, I'll just, I'll just say something I noticed that I probably wouldn't have noticed watching at home, um, doing my normal, uh, game day routine. Um, I thought that two of those three catches for Valdez Scantling were on scramble drills. And that's a place where he has not always been very effective for Patrick Mahomes. And so that was something that I found very encouraging to see yesterday that, that he got a couple of balls, a couple of completions um, when he was trying to find a way to get open for Mahomes. And I, I thought that was a significant part of why he, you know, did so much better on Sunday was that he, was able to do that where previously he's not been a guy that Mahomes could really count on in that kind of a situation. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Uh, it, it did seem like he was very comfortable on Sunday. He was doing it a couple of times where he just kept working and, and getting open from Mahomes. Mm-hmm. and Mahomes ended up yeah. finding him. And the difference in being there uh, and, and watching the guys too, is I think that's part of Rashid's game that he's still working on a little bit. Like it, it's almost like he can really keep moving as the, the play develops in, in the seventh and eighth and ninth second, as opposed to, you know, sort of giving it up on it on the, on the first couple. And I, I think he'll go to the film room and, and learn from that. I, even despite MBS's game, I think Rashid is still going to be the guy by the end of the year. I think you started to even see more progress in, in this game. Uh, and, and they're really liking what he he's doing. They've been forward about their comments of just saying um, just how far along he is, especially for being a rookie in this offense, not an easy thing to do. Speaking of rookies or, I would say uh, fake rookies, right? Because this guy's in his second year, but it feels like his rookie season because he, he was on IR last year. Everybody's favorite chief, Justin Ross, a uh, little bit of an uptick in snaps uh, in yesterday's game, ended up getting 17 snaps. He had more against the Chicago Bears, but let's not forget that was a blowout game where they were playing the quote right. unquote mm-hmm. uh, scrubs, as they say, late in the game. So 17 would be a high if you take out that blowout game. Here was Andy Reid on Justin Ross. Yeah, we're just trying. We're trying to bring him along here, and um, and so I know he didn't have the the catches, but he was in on quite a few plays. And I just think the more of that, the better for him. He he's got a lot of talent, and uh, we want to keep bringing him bringing him along. Here's how the snaps ended up, John Valdez Scantling forty seven, Sky Moore forty one, Rasheed Rice forty, Ross seventeen, Tony. 13 Hardman 11 so maybe even bigger than just the sheer number that we're talking about with Ross uh, to me what stands out there is Ross 17 Tony 13 and no word mm-hmm. on any injury or anything for Tony that just ended up how uh, that just uh, ended up how the, the snaps turned out yeah you know that's the the thing we look at these numbers and think that it really means something when sometimes it doesn't when it just has to do with uh, what receiver was in what package and how often that package was put on the field um, I'm sure that if the if the coaches look at these numbers, they see it in an entirely different way than we do. I can tell you that I was watching for Ross real carefully because I've been real interested to see what happens with him this season, just because basically because so many people are interested in and in what goes on with him. And I would have said, yeah, he was on the field quite a bit uh, yesterday without even looking at the snap counts. 
Um, I, I'm not sure I would have thought it. I, I might have thought it was more than what it turned out to be, be just because of the number of targets that he got. Um, and of course, the the penalty that he that he uh, had was was terrible. That's a really bad look for a young player uh, to get called that way. And honestly, it looked like a a really poorly thought through play for him. I mean, he just didn't look like he really knew what he was doing there. And I, I felt bad for the kid because um, we we would all like to see him succeed. You know, what a great story that would be. You always want a player to succeed anyway, right? Nobody nobody wants these players to come in and, and do badly. We all want to see them succeed. But uh, we especially want to see a kid like this um, get someplace in the league. And I thought that was a bad look for him on that OPI call. Yeah, not great. And that would ended up only being his, his lone target and it gets wiped out on the no play in the, in the stat sheet. Uh, I, I wonder about uh, Kadarius Tony here. Uh, if he's not hurt, then this is a clear, I think, difference in what the Chiefs were saying all offseason about him being a number one wide receiver type to very clearly having him be just a role player and you bring him in on, on some looks and you're already seeing McCole Hardman cut into that. And mm-hmm. when Justin Watson eventually gets back, remember, he's not on IR. So this is going to be quick. Where does that leave Tony? Is he, you know, the type of guy, especially if Hardman continues to play, you know, as he kind of looked like yesterday, is does it turn into, you know, he was going to be our number one receiver and now he's just getting outplayed out of the mix. Uh, I know some people will be like, well, why is Sky Moore getting so many opportunities? It's a fair question. Uh, I don't think you're seeing enough production for the amount of plays that he is getting. And eventually, and it's slower than the fan base would like. And, and this is always the case because the Chiefs want to give these guys ample opportunity. Eventually, you will see, uh, I think, other receivers getting more snaps and more. Uh, like I, I've said a couple times, the Chiefs do a lot of self-scouting uh, and they kind of hit the reset button when they get to the bye week. So to me, maybe may after the Miami game that you start to see some of these significant changes. But right now, it is really interesting to take a look at those receiver snap counts. All right, when we get back, we will get into our world-famous marinated takeaways from this 31-17 to victory over the Los Angeles Chargers. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Stay with us. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here uh, on the Arrowhead Pride Editor show, John, we're almost halfway through the season, but not, not quite yet. We're at seven games in. Uh, that means nowadays there are ten games to go. Uh, but we're approaching it. We're approaching that halfway point. The Chiefs 6-1 and one after their 31-17 to 17 victory over the L.A. Chargers. They are alone at the top of the AFC West, like three or four games ahead, seven weeks in. 
uh, and they are at the top of the AFC by a game. So good times in, in Kansas City. Let's zone in on this game, though. It's time for marinated takeaways. John, I always let you go first. We will continue that trend now and some deeper takeaways because you actually got to see the live all 32 for a change. What do you, what do you have for us? <laughs> well, uh, I don't 22. know that there'll be. I said 32, 22, all 22. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that there'll be that much uh, more uh, uh, quantitative, but uh, but I'll tell you this. I'm going to end up putting it right back to you and compliment you on your takes about Rashi Rice in the last couple of weeks because he really does, to me, look like the guy who's going to be the big the big guy in this offense uh, over the next few seasons. Um, I got that impression a lot more yesterday than I did watching television. Okay. Um, I was gonna, so, I, yeah, I was gonna ask you because my my takeaways start when, and I was gonna be very clear here. I was right about something, and I was wrong about something, and I was gonna ask you what you know what you wanted me to say first. So I, I'm gonna take the baton and say yes, I was extremely right about the Chiefs not needing a receiver. I said give it time. I said Rasheed Rice is a guy that can gain separation. He's gained the trust of the quarterback, and by the way, they have a receiver type. In this tight end that everyone seems to forget, the Chargers did it too. Why? How do the Broncos and the Chargers forget that Travis Kelsey exists coming into this game? Man, like, I don't get that at all. Yeah, I just look at the Chiefs and and if you change the word receiver and tight end to weapon number one, and I I know that the constant critique is, yeah, well, what if Travis Kelsey were to go down? He's thirty four. He's going to retire. He's made it very clear early on here after he's gotten through these injuries that there is no slowing down in 2023. As a matter of fact, I think Miss Taylor has gotten him some pep in his step. I think he might even look better than he did last year. <laughs> and so the Chiefs have weapon one established. So you look around the league and other teams, weapon one is a wide receiver. So let's take the Bengals, for example. That's Jamar Chase. The Bengals could ask themselves the same question. What would we be doing if we didn't have Jamar Chase? What right. would we be doing if we didn't have Tyree Kill? That is such a hypothetical that you can give to any team in the league. Right now, the Chiefs are built around a tight end. Their receivers are good enough beyond weapon one, and they only stand to get better because they're young. You're seeing Rice and what he can do. He's clearly the best option beyond Travis Kelsey. If Marquez can continue to put in efforts like he did yesterday, and then you kind of divvy up the rest of the targets between, yeah, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, McCole Hardman out of the blue. Justin Watson will be back soon. To look at these stats, and now I think it makes more sense than when I was crying this uh, alone a couple weeks ago. If you look at these stats, the Chiefs are, are probably the number two passing offense in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes woke up behind one player, Tua. And the only reason that Tua is that one player is because Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are crazy fast. This isn't downfield passing. It's all about mm -hmm. that system. And so I can make a case right now that the Chiefs have the best passing offense in the league. So I was right about that. Where I was wrong, and this is my second marinated takeaway, is I said the Chiefs have absolutely no need to bring in McCole Hardman. Man, I was that was a silly take. I, I'm and, and as I just bragged about my my correct take, I am humbled by. Man, I saw him with the Jets. I saw him, you know, have all these injuries last year, and to me, John, and I, I made this clear in, in previous shows. I just thought of, he was a player that fans just wanted for nostalgic purposes and. You know, it, it, there, he had nothing in his tank, and this is going to be a player that was out of the league in, in a year or so, something like that. And I just, I didn't get it. Uh, when I found out why the Chiefs went and got him, and it was a depth thing, that made more sense to me. Certainly the returner part of it. But you could see, and I think where the perspective has changed, and maybe I just was still hung up on the second round thing a little too much because I just was so used to thinking of him in that frame. 
you could see that in coming back after being on the Jets, there's a, a different lens of McCall Hart. Look, we're both wearing glasses. There's a different lens of McCall Hardman now <laughs> where you look at him through the prism of returner specialist, and there are going to be certain plays that are designed for him where he's faster than the rest of the players on the field. And in that role, he could have another four or five years in the NFL. And hopefully it's with the Chiefs because it seems like the Chiefs value him the most. Uh, and I think he probably gets the most value in his own career out of the Chiefs. And now that it isn't this second rounder that's going to somehow be the next big thing, the next big right. Tyree kill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a great addition. And I just wasn't looking at him like that. I was looking at a player at the end of his career where in a weird way now I'm sensing that I was wrong about that and that this could be like a new beginning from a Cole Hardman, which is really exciting, I think, and a nice little wrinkle to 2023. Yeah, uh, Rocky Magana made that same point in his five things we learned from the game uh, today uh, in different wording, of course, but pretty much the same idea that you're expressing and i think it's exactly right and you know i know rocky one, was compared to like how 1800 horses were right, something, <laughs> right. Something, like that. something like that right yeah. uh I, I this is a point where i would like to to mention the the thing that bugs me about uh mccall hardman and the way he's been seen on this team is this perception that he was brought in because they didn't know what was going to happen with tyreek hill that may have been part of the equation when the Chiefs made the decision to bring him on board, but it wasn't the only part of it, I don't think. And let's remember, too, that the Chiefs knew a lot more about that situation than anybody else did at that point. Um, and they had talked to him, and they believed what he had to say, and it turned out that he was right. Um, and they knew all those things. We didn't know those things. And I've just never been convinced that it was all because they thought that the whole decision was based on uh, the fact that Tyreek Hill might not be available that season. I think there were things about Hardman that they liked and that they wanted to have, but he didn't have um, in their minds the expectation that we all placed on him as being the guy who could be the next Tyreek Hill. And I think that hurt him in terms of expectations with the fans. And now that that's not part of the equation any longer, he can just be the guy who is the speedy guy on the team that can be a returner and come in for certain packages. I think both you and Rocky are making an excellent point that this is an opportunity for him to change the narrative about him in a way where he can be successful with really not doing a whole lot for the team. And you know what? You're starting to see, and it's been a few years for us covering this team in Kansas City, you're starting to see the value of burning a 53-man roster spot on a returner. And it mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily need to be someone that does something else on the team. There's so much value in someone specializing that. Hell, we we just saw, what did we see at halftime, John? Dante Hall. Uh, right, he, right. He made the Chiefs Hall of Fame. And, and what a what a perfect time in, in this uh, version of the Chiefs and, and this week of the Chiefs 2023 season for that to happen, because I think Hardman solidified his role in, in the Chiefs. Um, you know, even as Watson gets back, I, I think it'll just be the seven receivers again. Um, and I think that in that, punt, that you, I mean, you can make a case in, in that game yesterday that the punt return pretty much sealed it in, mm -hmm. in. Yeah. And it was an exciting play. And it's been a while since the Chiefs had, uh, any tangible, tangible threat back there. Like Montreal, Washington was fun. I know Sky Moore had some redemption in that AFC title game last year. Um, but ever since Hardman 
got hurt uh, or sick, uh, as we should say, you know, last year just didn't seem like the Chiefs had that. They they won a Super Bowl um, despite that. I think a big part of that is Kadarius Tony was able to, and maybe he should be a specialist. We'll see how his career goes, but he was able to have a return. But having a solidified punt returner, a kick returner that strikes fear into opposing uh, teams is is just so crucial. And um, welcome back, Nicole Hardman. What a game that he had. I know we're, we're talking about Charles Menehue. Uh, Hardman deserves some of that credit as well. All right, your next takeaway, John. Well, uh, I'm just going to carry along with the same thought. Is Richie James now the forgotten man? Yeah. I mean, where does he? Where is he going to fit in now that uh, McCole Hardman is is on the team? This is a guy that we thought would be his primary job would be as a kick returner, and uh, you know, I think McCole Hardman came in and said, "Yeah, you don't have that job anymore," mm. and uh, we don't know how as all, we were joking about this before we went on here to record, but it's not like the chiefs give us a whole lot of information about these players who were injured. We don't really know uh, how long James might be out for all we know. The chiefs know he's not going to be back for the rest of the season. It's an MCL it's that's what's involved. And it's entirely possible. That's an injury that could go for the whole season. We just don't know. And it may be that he's already out in essence, um it's but, not clear. Uh, that that one's a little strange because they they said mcl and not knee whereas that right. is always you know if they know that that typically is going to be a longer injury than the classic like uh we just got to get him off his feet for a month and right and uh-huh train yeah. that knee and and whatnot so i tend to think it's a longer term injury i don't know if it's for the season uh you know that that is intriguing. Uh, you know, if he does come back, I, I don't see the Chiefs cutting a receiver. I'll say that much. I, right. Unless, right. You know, right. Yeah. So it, it, it does remain to be seen how they they operate. Um, I mean, maybe some other injury would returned. make room for him if it turned right. out that he'd be available to come back. You never know about that kind of a, of an aspect. But it's so funny to me that this is how we thought it was going to all going to play out. And, and, you know, this is the way it works in the NFL. Uh, you know, we have all these expectations about how the season's going to play out, but then you have to go to war and guys, you know, step in foxholes and break legs and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and have to be out for periods of time. And then you have to just, you know, ad lib as you go. And maybe if Richie James hadn't been hurt, Nicole Hardman wouldn't be on the team today. And uh, sometimes these things work in your favor. Sometimes they don't, but uh, you know, the best laid plans uh, never survive first contact with the enemy, as they like to say in military circles or something similar to that. Anyway, I like it, John, digging into the military for your point that that's that's a truly marinated one right there. Uh, <laughs> I want to bring this up from next gen stats for my last marinated takeaway, and that is uh, I'll just read it. Patrick Mahomes was the most productive targeting the intermediate area of the field on sunday 10 to 19 air yards completing 13 of 14 um for 259 yards and a touchdown mahomes 215 259 passing yards targeting the intermediate area are the most in in a game over the last five seasons what does that mean what does that mean why am i bringing it up well what that means is the deep ball is coming (laughs) the reason that the, the deep ball hasn't really existed in the chiefs offense for a while now is because uh you've seen teams dropping back eight uh as they say uh having the safeties really deep and just saying you know we're not going to get beaten by this if mahomes is going to make a habit 
of carving up the intermediate, you are going to start to see these safeties playing up again. And what will that mean? That means that you can send McColl deep. Uh, that means you can do the same thing with Marquez Valdez Scanling, who I believe is in the four three range himself. I know he's a he's a taller, he's like a giraffe than what, but uh he's a, a taller guy <laughs> that can run really fast down the field. And so this is just one game, uh, but that is a dazzling stat. And I noticed that Mahomes is starting to get more methodical, more comfortable with that. Start mixing in the run game a little bit. Uh, and again, just with these defensive backs and the secondary having to play up, and you are going to start to see shots uh, again down the field. It's never going to look the same as it does with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is one of one, but I think you're going to start seeing more than maybe your one a game where where Mahomes is like, well, this is my only chance. I got to try it because he's one-on-one and he's downfield. And even if I'm getting hit by Khalil Mack and then it's an interception, I think they're going to get more regular uh, as uh, Mahomes continues to dominate the intermediate. Again, 13 of 14 for 259 yards and a touchdown. That's eye-popping. I was looking at my phone at the stats readout during the game, even standing in uh, standing there in the stands. I wasn't sitting very often, by the way. Um, and I, I was, hear, I can, uh, I can hear the arrowhead in your voice this morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was astounded by the numbers Mahomes was putting up yesterday. At mm-hmm. one point, uh, you know, on twenty attempts, I think something around twenty attempts, twenty five yeah. attempts, he'd missed one or two passes. It was it was unbelievable to me. But yeah, that is a that is a that's an amazing statistic. Did I get that right? That it's the most in the intermediate areas of the field in five seasons. Mahomes' two hundred fifty nine passing yards targeting the intermediate area are the most in a game over the last five seasons. Wow, that is that is amazing, and I think your point is exactly right. It's not necessarily saying that's what the Chiefs are going to be doing all along. It's what they're trying to tell the rest of the league that they need to defend against, which opens mm-hmm. up possibilities elsewhere i think that's kind of part of the reason why travis kelsey has been so open in the middle of the field because the chiefs are starting to see there is a a gaping gap Mm -hmm. between us and i think i know they they are a little bit coy in in saying it where they're like yeah no well we're planning everything but i think they're i think sometimes they're saying kelsey run to the middle of the field and stand where where it's open and he's doing that (laughs) and they're killing teams and so eventually, you know, it's not going to be able to, to happen. And you're going to see some of these deeper one-on-one shots again. Uh, and that'll be fun. Um, but again, it might may, still may take a few games. It does take the it's, NFL a little bit to adjust, but they eventually do adjust. It reminds me of the movie of about uh, Vince Papale with the Eagles. And they're in the, the, the car lot uh, game that they play. They're all the buddies. And they said, let's run the play where Vince just gets open and we throw it to him. <laughs> That's what the Chiefs run every play. Yeah, <laughs> Pat and Trav. So, any other takeaways from you, John? Um, I thought it was interesting. You know, this is one of those things that you see when you're at the stadium that you don't necessarily see uh, watching on television. Um, I think I was looking up watching the replay when I saw uh, Bolden Bolton uh, holding his hand after the tackle on Keenan Allen, and uh, which was, by the way, a great tackle. And, um, and then, you know, he was walking towards the sideline and all of a sudden he's lying on the ground and I couldn't, I got out the binoculars cause I couldn't see the number. I thought somebody else had been hurt and I wasn't aware that it was Bolton laying on his back with his hand injury. So he must, I didn't see what happened in between the, the video and seeing him lay on the ground, but 
he must have been in a lot of pain to uh, collapse onto the ground like that before he'd actually gotten all the way onto the sideline because he was still on the field of play. So they had to stop uh, while they tried to, you know, see what was going on with him. And he was on his back for quite a while. So um, I can't say that I'm surprised he needs surgery because, um, in fact, this morning when I saw that uh, the official word is he dislocated his wrist, it's like, yeah, I don't know about that because that man looked like he was in a lot of pain on Sunday afternoon. So I'm not, I'm really not at all surprised that he's going to need some kind of surgery because it was a pretty, normally an injury like that, they walk to the sideline and they go in the blue tent and after a while they tell us something, but he fell to the ground with a wrist injury. Wow. Yeah. Just to, (laughs) yeah, just to reaffirm that point as well. Like if, if Tranquil didn't exist on this team, this would be a, you know, a blow to the chiefs. Oh Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And now they're, now they're, now their depth takes a hit and now you're probably one injury away from feeling like that. Uh, and, but if, again, looking at the bright side, you have drew on the team and then presumably, right. They called it two months. We did the math. It's about seven or eight games. You're going to get a fresh Nick Bolton back for the final stretch of when, uh, in Kansas city. Now it doesn't really matter about the regular season. Like let's, let's call it what it is, but you'll get him for the part that matters. Uh, the part that determines whether or not the season was success. And so, yeah, this sucks, but there there is some way to look at it. Half glass, uh, glass half right. full, I should say. Right, and I think also that when when Bolton came back, we were talking about the fact that uh, Drew Tranquil had opened up uses for himself, even when Bolton was back. That right. we were going to see him on the field some in that mic role and the places where he can help the team the most. And when Bolton is back and Tranquil has been out there for seven or eight games however long Bolton is out, uh, that's only going to increase what they feel they can do with him. So, um, you know, yes, it sucks that Bolton got hurt and it's going to be a blow over the short term. But um, I think when we look at what the defense is going to look like at the end of the season, we're going to go, well, you know, that was bad, but look what's happening now, you know? So. All right, those are our marinated takeaways uh, in this uh, Chiefs and Chargers game. And now we flip the page to the Denver Broncos. Uh, John, you did our our opening odds uh, for the second Chiefs Broncos game in three weeks. I don't, I don't want to watch it, but I'm gonna. Uh, what do we have as far as a a point spread? Um, I think it was eight and a half points. I meant to bring that up so I wouldn't have to guess. <laughs> I think it was eight and a half points. Um, a little lower than it was the last time, which is about what we, we should expect, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. Um, eight, eight, that's right. Eight and a half. I just double checked. It was so. Ten and a half the last time. Um, and uh, and they ended up making that spread. In fact, they've made the spread on on the last two games, uh, which is kind of unusual for the Chiefs. I always see people say, don't don't bet the spread when you're betting on the Chiefs. But this year they've actually done pretty well against the spread. Um, so there's that if you're planning on making any bets on this game. Um, but you know, the Broncos, uh, are a mess right now and they, they picked up a win, um, here recently, I'm, I'm I guess surprised. it was on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that they were able to beat the Packers. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not saying I think the Packers are the, one of the best teams in the NFL, but I just thought that they would be a better team than the Broncos. So the Broncos get some confidence in that. Uh, I think. This is one where 
coming off of a victory and it looks like Javante Williams was healthy for this game. He had 15 carries for 82 yards. He was starting to get his health back in the last game against the chiefs still have some weapons. I don't think this is a team you necessarily want to look past. And this is also desperation mode. Same thing that we've had now. Mm -hmm. This will be three weeks running where if the Broncos are going to have any shot at the postseason, they need to continue to put these wins together now. And so uh, this is in their building. You know that regardless of the records, John, these Broncos fans are going to be loud because they are sick of losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. And we'll uh, end up seeing what happens uh, in this game. The start time for this one is 325 p.m. local uh, for for the Chiefs uh, and the Broncos. So another division game for the Chiefs. Chiefs have an opportunity to go three and zero in the AFC West ahead of their matchup in Germany against the Dolphins and then the bye. So, you know, that. Andy Reid certainly would like that. I uh, talked to somebody yesterday who is traveling to Denver for that game, Mm. uh, which would be fun. It'd be all kinds of fun to go to Denver for a Chiefs game. Mm -hmm. And they're getting on the plane in Denver and flying to Frankfurt. (laughs) Oh, they're doing the the two. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what a that's how the other other half lives, folks. Mm, That's great. Uh, Good to know. Uh, uh, Best of luck. Hopefully. Uh, that person brings back two wins for all our readers Absolutely. at arrowheadpride.com. Yeah. Uh, thank you to to Steve. Thank you to John. Again, a little bit of shorter version of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show today. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, please leave us a rating and a review. We'll read it at the top of every show. We still are cooking with our newsletter, John. It's called Arrowhead Pride Premier. We have uh, an annual option. We have a monthly option. If you like uh, Arrowhead Pride Premier, uh, you can get the link. I believe Steve is putting it in our description now, so you can click the link and find out more about it uh, right here on Apple iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. I mentioned Steve. I mentioned John. My name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.